0: we thank you for the wonderful privilege to be able to assemble together in your house and God it's already been good just to be here together to fellowship one with another to hear the choir do an awesome job in leading us in worship today to be able to experience a church sacrificially giving to the tabernacle offering and then to the regular tithe and offering God I thank you for a giving church and thank you for a church that has a desire to to continue to grow and God, we've been about at this for about 10 years or so now. And we've had our, our bumps, our knocks, our bruises, our ups and our downs. But God, thank you for a church family that still remains faithful. And I pray, God, you continue to bless. And uh, Father, I pray now that you would help us in our time together to worship you, uh, to focus on you, God, to, to hear what your word has to say to all of our hearts and our minds and help us to be receptive. Speak to hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles in First Peter chapter number 2, in verse 13 down through verse number 17 is going to be our text. Now this was the text verse that we had in our, our D6 classes and you've already uh, probably unpacked this pretty well in your classes together. But this week we're talking about submission. That's the new theme that we're introducing this week. It's the family theme that we're going to be studying. And the goal this week is to understand and practice biblical submission, to understand and practice. Now, number one, a lot of people don't have a biblical understanding of submission. And that's why I think there's a lot of folks that aren't even practicing a lifestyle of submitting or submission. But that's our purpose and that's our goal this week. As we are studying together Monday through Friday, as we're going through our devotion time and we're reading all the scripture, we're focusing on the topic of submission. And the goal is that we have a better understanding of what the Bible has to say about submission and then that we put it into practice and we really start living it out. This week in our studies, you're going to be studying and you're going to be learning how that humble submission is a cross-like attitude uh, that we're going to be whenever we submit to the Lord. That's the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived a life for us that we are to pattern our life after. And he certainly was submissive to God the Father. And that's the attitude that we're to have The second thing you're going to learn this week is that when I serve my employer, I am serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to serve our employers as we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to unpack and learn more about that this week. The third thing we're going to discover is that we are to be praying for our nation's leaders and that that is our duty as a Christian, that we are to be praying for our country. We're to be praying for our leaders. We're to be praying for those individuals that have authority over us in our love. We're to be lifting them up in prayer. You're also going to study this week how how, uh, disciples are servants and not necessarily servers. How we are servants and not necessarily servers. And you're also going to be seeing how we will not have strong families unless we do our part. And we live a life of submission. That's a very good study. I think Friday's when you'll be studying that. Uh, so that's why it's really important for you to have the fusion, uh, devotional guide and material so that you can kind of get your family together. The neat thing about what we're doing, every age, every class, every, uh, age group in your family studying the very same theme. And I hope your parents, you take advantage this week of, uh, of, of, of getting into some conversation with your family about submission. Well, what does submission mean? Well, here's the dictionary, I guess, uh, what the dictionary has to say about submission. It says that submission is the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. Now, that's what the dictionary has to say about submission. But as we read our text, and I'm not going to go back and read the entire text, but it says in verse number 13 that we are to submit to every human institution because of the Lord. And then whenever I think about the theme submission. Whenever I think about how we are to submit to. As we study in our class this morning. Civil authorities. How we are submit to. Uh, wives are submit to the husband. Husbands are submit themselves unto God. As we are, sum, are to submit to the sufferings. That take place in our life. The question comes up in my mind. Why? Why should I submit to all of that? Why should I submit unto God? Why should I submit unto civil authorities? Why should I submit unto suffering? Why should I submit unto my employer? Why should I submit how we have submission in the families? Why? Well there was a phrase, two words actually, that jumped off the page in my Bible as I was studying and reading and preparing for this week's message. Jump down, if you will, to verse number seventeen. Verse number 17 says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood. What's the next two words? Fear God. God. It says that we are to honor everyone, that we are to love the brotherhood, and that we are to fear God. And then it says, honor the emperor or the king, depending on the translation that you have there. But I want to pull out, if we can this morning, the two words Fear God. You see, if you don't have a fear for God, then you have no reason in the world to submit to anybody or anything or any person. Submission is going to come whenever we realize that there is someone that is sovereign. Submission is going to come when we realize that there is someone in authority. Submission is going to come when we realize there is a supreme being that rules and manages the entire world. And when we fear Him. I want to talk this morning on the subject living in the fear of the Lord or living in the fear of God. Now the subject that I'm going to talk about is not very popular in our world today. Matter of fact it used to be somewhat of a term of respect or how you would praise someone when you would hear someone say That so-and-so is a God-fearing person. Do you remember that term? I remember hearing that all the time growing up. So-and-so is a God-fearing person. We don't hear that a lot in our day anymore, do we? That's not a term probably that most teenagers that are in here this morning have probably heard a whole lot. We've gotten away from that. Why? Because unfortunately we're living in a culture, in a society, in a world in a country that really doesn't have a lot of fear of God. So it's not a term of praise or, or to, to esteem someone whenever we say they are a God-fearing person. But this morning I want to preach on that topic. What does it mean to live in the fear of God? If we're going to live out submission in our life, If we're going to submit, as we're going to study all week long in all these different areas, then friends, listen, you'll never do that until you have a biblical understanding of what living in the fear of God is all about and what it means. So as we start this study this morning, notice it's 11.13. I probably started the message at 10 after. Will you give me a little grace right there? So give me about 25 minutes of your time, and then I'll be done. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means by living in the fear of God. What really does that mean? Well, where are we going to go for a definition of the fear of God? The best place to go is to God's Word. So let's turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Psalm 33 and verse number 8, as I talk about defining the fear of God. Now, all the other references I believe I have in your notes. You have them there. They'll be on the screen for you as well. The references, not necessarily the scripture. But in Psalm 33 and verse number 8, the Bible says this. Let the whole earth tremble before the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. How does the psalmist define being in the fear or living in the fear of God or the fear of the Lord? He defines it by standing in awe of Him. Here's what I want you to write down in your notes. Having the fear of God in my life just simply means this, that I have an awesome reverence for God. The fear of God means having an awesome reverence for Him. I'm standing in awe of who he is. Now, understand me. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what type of a father that you had. But a lot of people in their own lives look at how they were raised. They look at their father. And sometimes they say, boy, however my father treated me must be how God treats everybody. And they take that fatherly, that earthly fatherly view that they have of who God is or who their father is and they apply that to who God is. Now, I don't know what kind of a dad you had. And and I don't need to know. But you may have had a dad that, boy, when he came home, you better go hide. I don't know. But I want you to know that living or having a fear of God does not mean that we are afraid of him. That's what I want you to understand. It doesn't mean that we tremble when he shows up. It doesn't mean that we're scared to be in his presence. It doesn't necessarily mean we're afraid of how he's going to treat us. Now, I understand there's some consequences and there are judgments. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. But although I know all about God's judgments and I know all about his wrath and I've studied all of those in the Bible, I still don't stand afraid in front of God, afraid of him. I stand there in awe of Him. I stand there in reverence of Him. I stand there wow, what a God. Guys, that's what it means to have the fear of God on your life. There's an awesome reverence for who He is. And a lot of times we have this this mental picture that God is in heaven with his bullwhip and he's whipping us into submission. Unfortunately, I've heard preaching like that. Unfortunately, I've heard teaching like that. But that's not our God. Can he whoop out the bullwhip and give you a Holy Ghost whipping? Sure he can if he chooses to. But the fear that we should have of him is that of awesome reverence for who he is. Awesome respect. We should should have awesome reverence for his greatness. We should have awesome reverence for his infinite knowledge. We, We should have awesome reverence for his power. We should have awesome reverence for his complete sovereignty. We should have awesome reverence for his holiness. We should have awesome reverence for his justice. We should have awesome reverence for his goodness. Listen, it's God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke this world into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. And he flung the stars into the sky. And the psalm, the Bible tells us that he knows every star by name. He knows every sparrow when it falls. What an awesome God. Now I'll tell you what, I can't understand all that. I can't comprehend all of that. And I was witnessing to an old boy back in western North Carolina years ago that was struggling with that. And he was saying, I just can't understand everything about God. My reply to him was that he is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is sovereign. How in the world could an omniscient God pour all of his knowledge and all of his wisdom and all, his, all of his understanding? And this is what I told the guy into a peanut brain like yours. That's what, we're on pretty good terms, so I can talk to him like that. Listen, I don't want a God that that I've got everything figured out what he does and how he's going to act and react and what he's going to do. Listen, I don't want a God that I've got to take off the shelf and dust. I don't want a God that I've got to put the pieces back together when it's broken. I don't want a God like that, do you? I want a God that's going to pick me up when I'm broken and put my pieces back together. I want a God that's going to dust me off when I'm down and out and I'm discouraged and I need someone to take care of me. That's the God. I don't have to know everything about him. But the psalmist defines God as simply standing in awe of Him, defining the fear of the Lord. Here's what we need to understand. When we are compared to Him, we are absolutely nothing. That's what we need to understand. And if we have that biblical mindset that really we are nothing in His presence, He is God, and we have this reverential awe of Him, This awesome reverence of who he is. That's simply what it means to live in the fear of God. Now, I'm not going to be able to unpack everything I have in my notes for you in defining the fear of the Lord. That's probably a whole message or a series of messages in itself. But let me give you one more. In Malachi chapter 1 in verse number 6, the Bible says this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. And the Lord is saying, but if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is your fear of me, says the Lord of hosts to your priest who despise my name. Yet you ask, how have we despised you? In this particular passage of Scripture, the Lord gives really two different earthly examples of what it is to fear him. As a child honors their father, as a servant is to respect their master. So honor and respect comes from recognizing that God is in control, that he is sovereign, that he has the authority. Boy, there's so much more I'd like to share with you about how the Bible defines standing in the fear of God and an awesome reverence of who he is. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 12, verse 4 through 5, the Bible says, and I say to you, and this is the Lord, my friends, don't fear those who can kill the body and after that can do nothing more. But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. You know what it's saying there? Don't necessarily fear the one that's able just to take your life. Fear the one that has your soul in his hand and can make a determination where it's going to spend in eternity, either in heaven or in hell. We need to fear someone like that. Have an awesome reverence for an individual like that, and that person is God. There's a whole lot more I could say about defining God. I put several verses of Scripture in your notes for you that'll help unpack some of that, but I've got to move on. The second thing I want to talk about is not only define what it is to live in the fear of God, but how do we do that? Okay, if we are to live a life of fear, fearing the Lord and the fear of God, and I'm not talking about being afraid, I'm talking about having that awesome reverence of who He is, how then do we show that fear of God on a daily basis? How do we live that out? How do we how do we bring that into our house? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you on Monday morning when we get up and we go to work? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you about three different things that means for us. Number one, write this one down. When we show our fear of God, we do that by seeking and accepting divine instruction. When we have this reverential awe of who God is and we're standing in reverence of Him of his awesome power, his awesome wisdom, wisdom, all of his knowledge, the fact that he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's all these things, then how that looks in my life on a daily basis is I'm going to be seeking him. I'm going to be accepting his divine instruction in my life. Listen to what the Bible says in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 7. I thought... You will certainly fear me and accept correction or instruction. You see, the first thing that we can do to show that we fear God is to seek after and to accept his instruction in our life. Now, that, we can do that every single day. That is really seeking to live out God's will for our life and not necessarily our own. And it really comes back, once again, it makes full circle all the way back to the pride thing. Guys, do you realize the root of all sin really is is pride? It just comes back to that. But if I want to live in the fear of the Lord, then daily I'm going to be seeking after Him. And I'm going to be accepting the instruction that's given. Now, how do we seek after Him? The Bible. We seek after God by going to His Word and listening to what He says. And then once we see what he says, we don't do like a lot of people do. I say, boy, I just don't like what it says right there. Well, you know what? If you don't like what it says right there, you can take a pair of scissors and you can cut that out of your Bible. But that doesn't mean you won't be held accountable for it when you stand before God. Because this is his word. From cover to cover, as the old mountain preacher back in North Carolina used to say, from kiver to kiver. This is God's Word. From Genesis to Revelation, this is the Word of God. And if I really am going to live out, living in the fear of the Lord on a daily basis in my life, then I'm going to be seeking what He has to say for my life. I'm going to be seeking His instruction for my life. And then, once I see what it is, I'm going to get in alignment with it. And I've wondered, boy, and guys, listen, you probably don't experience this quite as much as I do. But as you stand week after week after week after week after week after week week and you share God's word. And as you sit through counseling session after counseling session after counseling session and you share with people God's word. And as you teach class after class after class after class and you teach God's word. Guys, did you know there's people out there that really don't want to hear what God has to say? Do you know? And as a result of that, they get angry at you as the messenger, guys you wouldn't believe the hate email that I receive. You wouldn't believe the phone calls that I get. You wouldn't believe the cold shoulders that I get. You wouldn't believe the, I ain't waving at that preacher, kind of mentality that I, you wouldn't believe it. But you know what, Daryl was talking about the suffering. That's probably how I suffer. That's probably the extent of my suffering for the Lord. A lot of people, because they want to know what does God say about this, and you share with them what God said. Well, I'm not going to live, live like that. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, I'm not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They've identified their own sin problem. It's the very first word that I've been saying. What is it? Ah, I'm not going to do that. It goes back to pride. Listen, guys, you'll never live a life of submission until you deal with the pride thing, Till you put it out of your life, you start seeking after God's Word, seeking after His instruction, and then the book of James says, be ye doers of the Word and not, what? Finish it for me. Hearers only. Accept it. Now, guys, listen. As you start living in the fear of the Lord and what that looks like on a daily basis is that you're going to be seeking and accepting His divine instruction. You're going to be going to His Word. God's going to challenge you a little bit. And He's going to say, okay, you're ready for this passage of Scripture. Holy Spirit, illuminate that. That's His job. He'll shine a light on that verse of Scripture. You've probably read it a thousand times. It never meant a thing to you. So all of a sudden, you're ready for it. And God's saying, I'm getting out the prune scissors. I'm getting out the knife. I'm going to prune that. I'm going to cut that a little bit. And it's going to hurt. Hello? Hello? We're going to be a little bit uncomfortable with the pruning that takes place. But why does any gardener prune his rose bushes or his fruit trees or whatever the case may be? Why? So that they do what? So they produce more. You see, God wants to produce more good works in your life. He wants to produce more fruit in your life. He, in essence, wants to produce more Christians as a result of your life. And so in order to get you to the place, you've got to have a little bit of pruning taking place guys I'm talking about accepting it it's not always easy to accept I remember boy I could I wish I had time to sit here and share with you just some of my life experiences and and things where God was pruning me now if you had come back to me years ago and told me I'd be in, I'd be where I am today doing what I'm doing today I do no way honey that is not me I sat on the back as matter of fact, I had a game plan when I went to church because my pastor was the kind of pastor who look around and say, hey, pray for us today, or you pray for us today, or you pray for us today. And I intentionally don't do that because I came to church every single Sunday morning absolutely scared to death that my preacher was going to call on me to pray. Okay? So I had a team of people around me that I always sat with. One of them was Debbie's aunt, and she's gone on to be with the Lord. God bless her heart today, and she can't be helping, I'm sure she's laughing right now as she's looking over the portals of heaven. Her name is Marilyn, but I say Marilyn. And I sat right behind her, Chris, and I'd poke her. Marilyn, I'm here today. If That preacher calls on me to pray. I am not praying. You just pray, okay? Just start praying, and it'll be okay. And that's the game plan I went to church with. How did God get me from way back there to standing up here doing what I'm doing? He started pruning. He started cutting. I I guess it started with me seeking, but as I started seeking, he started, okay, let's deal with that area. There's an area in your life we need to deal with. There's another little area in your life we need to deal with. And then as you start accepting that, then you're really living in the fear of the Lord and you are growing in your faith. Now that's how living in the fear of the Lord kind of looks like on a daily basis. Seeking after God and accepting His plan and what His Word has to say in our life every single day. Being doers of the Word and not hearers only. Number two, jot this one down. We show our fear of God when we live in obedience to God's will. When we live simply in obedience to God's will. God's listen, it's just not enough to be taught the scriptures. It's just not enough to have head knowledge of the scriptures. And you know, as probably as well as I do, there's a lot of people out there that can quote Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. I mean, they know the Bible inside and out. They probably have more Scripture memorized than you do. But you know good and well that they're not Christians. They're not believers. Their life's not submitted unto the authority of Christ, don't you? I know people like that. Matter of fact, the first person that comes to my mind is the devil himself. Guys, you realize that Satan knows this book he knows it inside and out he knows what it says but usually he'll come to you and twist the word a little bit to get you out of God's will but the point is we've got to have more than just head knowledge we've got to live it out and we've got to be obedient in living out God's will for our life Deuteronomy five twenty nine says this if only they had such a heart to fear me and keep all my commands so that they and their children would prosper forever oh may that never be said of you that was said to the children of Israel, God said, oh, if, if only. If only they had a heart to fear me. There it is again. That awesome reverence of who God is. And seeking and accepting his divine instruction in our life. And living a life in obedience to his will for our life. It takes really getting self out of the way once again. Psalm 112 and 1 says, happy is the man who fears the Lord. Taking great delight in his commands. Oh, there's scripture after scripture after scripture about obeying, living in obedience to God's will. And guys, listen to this. God's never going to command you to do anything that you cannot will to do. He's not going to ask you to do anything that you can't do. He just isn't. Scripture says he's not going to put more more on you than you can bear. And I know, I know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt and the battle scars. I know sometimes it feels like there's more on your shoulders than you can carry. There's more on your plate than you can handle. But God is sovereign. And he's promised us that he would not put more on us than we could bear. Now, if the load's getting too heavy, it may be the fact that you've gotten, you've broken away from the yoke of Christ. You need to come back in that yoke and walking with him. I guarantee you can handle it. Hello? But living in the fear of the Lord just simply means living in obedience to his will. A third way it looks in our life is this. We show our fear of God by hating and departing from evil. We show our fear of God by hating and departing from evil. You see, it's not only important that we do what God tells us to do. It's not only important that we seek after him. It's not only important that we accept what he says. It's not only important that we line ourselves up and live in obedience unto him, be doers of the word, not hearers only. But it's also important that we hate what he hates. It's also important that we shun evil. It's also important that the Bible says that we are to avoid the very appearance of evil. You see, there's some things that we should hate. Hello? There's some things that we should hate. And those things are evil things, sinful things. We should hate those things. And we should completely get away from it. Hating and departing evil. If we're going to live in the fear of God, we can't play around with sin, guys. And you know what? I remember, and I, I don't, I don't want to go, go back and glorify the sin that I was in. But I do want you to know I was in sin. And I was deep in it, honey. I was deep in it. Pride was all over me. And I was deep in it. But listen when I gave my heart and life to Christ and when I committed to His will for my life and when I started seeking after Him there were some things in my life that I just absolutely hated from that point on and I didn't want to be a part of I didn't want to be associated with I didn't want coming out of I used to have a filthy mouth I mean filthy but when God got a hold of my heart boom stuff just went away Now let me say this, and I know it may not be true for everyone, but it certainly was true for me. If there's some sin that we're struggling to drop out of our life, it may be that we still have a little bit of a love affair with it. Maybe behind the scenes secretly, we're still hanging around dibble-dabbling in that thing. We don't really hate it. We've certainly not departed from it. But we still have... Now, nobody at the church knows it. Man, I clean up pretty good on Sunday. Here we are. Oh, how I love Jesus. Got my Bible. Doing the best I can to serve God. And thank God you're doing that. But I wonder secretly in your life. And that little sin that you're saying, Oh, priest, please, please pray for me. Help me to get over that. I want to ask, do you hate it? Do you really hate that sin? If you really hate it like God hates it, by the way, it's that sin that put God's son on the cross. Never forget the passion of the cross. Keep that visual, that that image in your mind all the time. It's that sin that put him on the cross. If you hate it enough, you'll depart from it. You'll get away from it. And you'll be able to set it down. Listen, I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's foul mouth, language. And that's the two things it was for me, was alcohol and language. And boy, when I said, God, I am going with you, boom. My desire for those things was gone. Hating and departing evil. But unfortunately, a lot of people, I think, still have a little bit of a love affair with the wild side. A little bit with the dark side. Kind of go over there and take a peek. Or maybe just hang out with that crowd that's doing that a little bit. Oh, I'm not going to do it. I got saved. God delivered. But what are you guys doing? Hate it and depart from it. That's living in the fear of of the Lord because I'm standing in reverence of who He is and what He's done for me. Hello? Some of you are looking at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm, but I hope you're hanging on to what I'm saying right here, okay? Let me give you the last thing. I'm going to wrap up with this. Why should I do that? Well, number one, God commands it, but let's look at the result. What is the result of living in the fear of the Lord? What's the result of that? Two things I want you to write down, blessings and rewards blessings, and rewards. And this is a whole message in and of itself. And, and I've, I've put a bunch of scripture up there for you and I believe that's in your notes. Somebody, it's in your notes as well. Uh, that scripture is there. I want you to go home and look these up. I, I'm not going to have time to unpack all of these. The Psalm 147, 11 says, The Lord favors those who fear Him. His favor rests on those who fear Him. Psalm 115, 13, He will bless those who fear the lord both small and great psalm 33:18 now the eye of the lord is on those who fear him i mean blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing is unpacked in these verses because we're living a life where we fear him and if we're living in the fear of the lord we won't have any problem at all submitting our life to him just no problem submission almost almost and it won't completely but it'll almost be a natural thing for me to do anymore. Almost. And maybe it will be a natural thing because I am a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Maybe it will become. And I, listen guys, we all struggle with the pride thing and submission thing. But whenever we see ourselves struggling with it, it ought to be an indication, Boys, man, I need to get back over here. And rededicate, recommit, just give my life to Christ completely. Again, God, help me submit. Live a life of submission. Where are you today? This week, we're going to be studying submission. But guys, I promise you this. You'll never live a life of submission until first and foremost, you are living in the fear of God. Where are you today? I wonder if his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I'm going to ask a couple of our deacons and their wives, if they would, just to quietly just get up and get to the back. Walk to the back, please. And this is how we do our invitation. As you're sitting there quietly with your head bowed and your eye closed and, and you're really just having a time to focus on you and God, now you can pray right there in your seat. And you can do business with the Lord right there. But, you know, sometimes it does good just to go to a brother or sister in Christ and say will you just pray for me will you just and you don't have to tell them everything that's going on in your life but maybe you just want somebody to lay hands on you or just hold your hand or whatever the case may be and just pray for you well that's why we ask a couple of our deacons and their wives to go to the back so that you can have that opportunity because it breaks my heart to know there's somebody sitting here today that just love for somebody to pray with them and us not give them that opportunity, okay So you can do business right there with where you are, with you and the Lord. Or, If you'd like to get up and have someone pray for you, whenever we start this song in just a moment, you can get up and go to the back and they'll pray for you. But let me ask you this. How is your life in the area of submission? Are you living a life submitted unto the Lord? Is He really not only your Savior, but your Lord? Your Lord? Are you living a life where you're living in the fear of God, where you're standing amazed of how awesome and great He is, and you're standing and living a life of reverence unto Him, if not today, can I ask you, will you, as a Christian, will you recommit and rededicate your life to Him today and start living in the fear of God? And then if you're here this morning you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, Will you do that? Jesus loves you. God loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. All of your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world were placed on Him at Calvary. Will you accept Him as your Lord and as your Savior? He died for you. He was buried. He rose again. And He wants to come into your heart. I'm going to pray for you. As soon as I finish praying, we're going to have our song of invitation. And you can just pray in your seats, or if you need to get up and go to the back, we've got spiritual leaders back there to help you, to pray with you. Father, right now, now, God, we give this time to you. And dear Lord, I just pray that your will will be done in this very hour. God, I know there's a spiritual battle going on right now in the heavenlies. And I know the devil doesn't want anyone in this congregation to make any type of move or commitment to you. But Father, I pray. God, I pray that you would move on this congregation. and You'd move in our hearts and our lives. And Father, you'd help us this week as we're studying about submission. That you'd help us to submit unto you because we're living in a fear of you. Not afraid, but in awe and reference of who you are. Father, whatever the need is, I commit it to you. I pray that you would speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.